This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, Lols here. This next guest is the wonderful Georgia Love. I'm sure you know her from The Bachelorette. She was the Bachelorette on season two in Australia. She is now a really well-known Aussie media personality. And we were actually doing a Pilates class together. And I said, hey, can I get you? We were in a reformer bed um, doing Pilates. And I was like, can I get you on the old potty? And she was like, yeah, of course. And she had flown in, I think, from Bali. She was flying straight out to Western Australia the next day. She had one day in Melbourne. And she goes, I've got one hour. And this is the first time I've done a podcast and had to put a timer on it just to, you know, stick to time. And and as it was ticking along, I was like, oh, my goodness, there's so many more questions I want to ask. So I'm so um, pumped to share this with you because it we, we, the time flew for me because we were having such a great chat. And I really hope you enjoy the wonderful Georgia Love. Okay. Hello and welcome to Fearlessly Failing. I'm so pumped to have this chicken here. Last time we saw each other, I think, was in the Pilates room. <laughs> Always. Is that correct? Yes. Um, it's the incredible Georgia Love. And I. it's so funny when I told my agent that I was doing this podcast and I was like, oh, I'll ask George Love. And they were like, oh, she's like highbrow. Do you think you'd be oh. able to get her on? <laughs> Oh my God, as if. I'm going to disappoint you so much in the next hour. Let's do it. So my only thing is just have fun. And also um, this is actually, the whole reason this exists is because Instagram, and I know you've got a massive social media presence, it basically celebrates so much good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I think the magic, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the magic is almost like when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, I like, and you've got an incredible story. Like, I'm so excited. Like, I'm a bit of a, like, geek. I'm like, I want to hear about Batch. <laughs> so, first of all, let's start before Batch. You were uh-huh. living in Tassie. I was. I So, I'm from Melbourne originally, mm-hmm. but I'd been living in Tassie for nearly five years mm-hmm. um, as a news reporter and presenter. So, I just got an opportunity down there and when you're a baby in, in news or any kind of media or television, um, you go where the job is. So, I did. I expected to do probably the 12 to 18-month regional stint as you do and then come back to Melbourne. But I just fell head over heels in love with the place and the job and the company and I thought, no, stuff it, I'll I'll work my way up here because what's the point rushing back to Melbourne when I love it here so much? Oh, Tassie's incredible, isn't it? Oh, God, it's so beautiful. It has such a massive piece of my heart. So I lived literally a two-minute walk from Salamanca. Here's a weird thing I remember of Tasmania. There are these massive bumblebees there. Yeah. Do you remember them? Yeah, like proper bumblebees, not bees, but yeah. bumblebees. Like furry, yeah. kind of cute, like <laughs> off Winnie the Pooh around the, the honey. When you said there was something I remember about Tasmania, I thought you were going to say like oysters or the scenery <laughs> or the wine. No, no, the big ass bumblebees. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. So I, I, 
so you're loving life, you're in Tassie, you're kind of building yourself up. And might I say, I may have done a bit of Google stalking <laughs> and YouTubing. You are absolutely made for television. You can oh, just tell. You, you love it. M- Matt, my boyfriend and I are watching it going, isn't she just like a natural? Oh, thank you. And you're, you're a real joy to watch. Um, but so you, you're in Tassie, you're loving it. When was the moment where, was it a call? Like when was that moment where like you're a perfect candidate for The Bachelorette? Yeah, so it was a call. I was sitting at work and I got a call on my mobile from some lady called Karen or Kerry. I wrote down the name because I thought this is my friends pranking me. I'm going to write it down and <laughs> Google it afterwards. Turns out it was a casting director from Warner Brothers. Um, so she just said, we've done this big casting call. We've kind of put out there the type of person we're looking for and your name has come back. For all I know still to this date is that a nurse in Tasmania had seen me speaking at an event down there and thought that I was Good wow. and obviously knew I was single, which is a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this young girl deserves a husband, you know. <laughs> I don't know. So someone someone put my name forward and they called me and it just went from there. So I kind of thought, look, this will never happen, but it'll be a fun thing to talk about that time that I went through the process of kind of auditioning to be The Bachelorette. And then it kept going and it kept going in more rounds and it got more and more likely, looking like it was likely to happen. Wow. And then at the same time as that, my mum was diagnosed with pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer, which was a massive shock. Um, and that was all at once. And I'm a big believer, you know this about me, I'm a big believer in opportunities, everything happening for a reason. Mm. If something pops into your head or your life, it's it's for a reason. And I thought that timing of that was too unlikely. And I thought this is this is good, but I've got to do this. It, it will bring me back to Melbourne to be with my mum and my family while yeah. mum's going through this. It might be some higher sign from the universe that I shouldn't be always putting my job first. So I'd been living away from my family for over five years because of my job or my past relationships had failed because I'd moved into state for work and we were far apart. It was just all this stuff all together and I thought this is going to be an opportunity to bring me back home, to hopefully find someone. Um, it, it was just all a timing thing and I thought, no, I think this is meant to be. And then it was, it happened. So you've brought up your mum, which I wasn't planning on doing straight away, but when I watched that, it was like the package of before you went into the house of you and your mum and your fam, sis, like it just... I got this vibe like you guys were besties. Oh, absolutely. I think it sounds like such a cliche, especially to say after someone's passed away, oh, my mum was my best friend, but she was. Hands oh. down, absolutely. And I, I wish it wasn't such a cliche because I think people will think I'm just saying it for no, the sake of saying can, it. But, but you can see it and you could see... Um, you could almost see even from the very beginning that you were almost a bit torn with, wow, this is an experience where I might find potentially something that will bring, bring me a lifetime of happiness, mm-hmm. real love. Um, and, you know, you're also going through heartbreak at the same time. Yeah. And th- I guess we can go back to Batchy stuff in a minute, but I guess there'd have to be this moment where you've like, you finish the show, you've found Lee, like you're feeling like, oh, my heart's about to explode. I'm so lucky and, you know, on cloud nine in one aspect. And then this 
other aspect where it's like, oh, fuck, like one of the most important things in my heart is, you know, coming to a a stage where it's like, fuck, like Mm. I can only imagine. And I think... I guess I, I guess what I want to know with you is like, fuck, like you're very open and vulnerable. Like that's your jam, which I think that's why I'm like, this chick's awesome. <laughs> but how on earth do you kind of like keep up with public perception when you're just like, shit, like I need time to grieve. I need time to be with my family. How on earth do you navigate that? Well, I don't know if I did, to be honest. That's one of the things I was coming in here today to probably talk about from a failure perspective. I I don't think that I did do very well with that. Um, so for context, for those who don't know, mum eventually passed away um, 24 hours yeah. after the finale of Bachelorette went to air. So I we'd filmed the finale at the end of August, but then it didn't go to air until the end of October. And it wasn't until it went to air I was allowed to actually be with Lee um, in public. People know I was with him. So that finale aired on a Thursday night and then mum passed away on the Friday night. <sighs> so it's mean, just, just the most bizarre timing and the weird thing is I don't know if it would have been harder, easier, the same, any other way because I've never been given the chance mm-hmm. to find that out. That's how it happened for me. But um, I'd had a really easy, cushy life before then, I think. You know, that a couple of things happened that, that affected me. I'd had a really shocking breakup that kind of ruined me and um, job stuff that we'll probably get to later. But... It was almost, I felt like, oh, I've had too easy a run. Someone upstairs has gone, oh, shit, we forgot to give George Love any crap. Um, it's throw this all at her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got to make up for yeah. lost time. Just chuck all that to her in, in the space of 24 hours. So, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was huge. And what I was saying I think I didn't really cope with that was I was trying to hold up this, uh, you know, I'm on a, public pedestal as being the bachelorette, the whole country or at least anyone who knew me and followed me now knows my mum's passed away Um, and I've got to deal with that. And I feel like I'm going off on a thousand tangents here but it wasn't, you know, a lot of people who suffer cancer and then inevitably pass away from it have a long battle. Mum only had six months. Yeah, because didn't you, I've I've heard you say pancreatic cancer like the the like kind of success or it's like 9% or something. Survival rate is 9%. Versus breast cancer, which is like 93. 93. Yeah, Yeah. it's hugely different. So, and this is where it becomes even messier. So she was diagnosed in the April, but mum and dad actually didn't tell us that it was pancreatic cancer. They said she Um. had a tumour that needed to be removed and that it could be cancerous and they were going to find out. So you remain quite hopeful. Of course. And growing up in, you know, the age that we are, we've grown up knowing that cancer is survivable. Mm -hmm. Not, of course, it it kills a lot of people as well, but it's survivable. Chemotherapy is shit, but people do it. Gets the job done a lot of the time. So I'm looking at it as, well, this is going to be a shit few months or possibly years, but... That's okay. And we she's my mum and she's my superhero. Yeah, exactly. Of course totally she's going to be fun. Through. Of course yeah. she is. Why? She's my mum. She's always going to be there. She's always been there. I think what is 
what I freaking love the way that you just shared, like how much that you had, like in researching you, you freaking love your mum and you will forever. <laughs> yeah. And I think as fucked up is the whole, like you said, the universe was just like, well, you can have this, this and this in 24 hours. You wouldn't wish that on any human being. But because you are such an open, humble person, you – and I think – I actually think you describing this as a failure, you're actually being quite hard on yourself because you can just see, like, even the when I said to you, I was like, can you be – do you care if you're on my podcast? You're like, oh, yeah, like, I'll talk really openly about my mum. Like, I remember you, that was like yeah. the – and I was like, shit. And I, I remember, like, my boyfriend, I was like, fuck, like, you're very open, like, straight away. And I think don't be hard on yourself. Not that this is like a let's hash it out kind of <laughs> session, but I think she'd be fucking proud of you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you. Oh, and just seeing it from the outside and everything you've now done for pancreatic cancer awareness and, like, you're an amazing spokesperson. Because I didn't know, I'm a nutritionist. I didn't know how, I knew pancreatic cancer was one of the nasties, yeah. but I didn't know how, I was like, shit, like, like that's, that's a massive, almost a death sentence. Yeah, it is. For a lot and of and that's why I've decided to get behind the um, charity awareness fundraising side of it because I was exactly the same. Mm-hmm. My mum had pancreatic cancer, and it wasn't until she was in palliative care that I researched it and looked up whether there was a charity at all because I hadn't heard of one, what the stats were. And obviously this was uh, me sticking my head in the sand, not looking up beforehand, but I'm glad I didn't because how horrendous to know those stats. Mum and Dad knew those stats. That's why they decided not to really let on to me and my sister quite how sick she was because how are you meant to have hope with with the... 9% 9% survival Total. rate. And didn't you, did you do a trip with your family? Like yeah. she'd been diagnosed yep. and you were saying, I, I've read somewhere you were having like Aprols, you know, <laughs> yeah. or something and she was still mum. She was she just was. like a little bit less energy but she was still mum. Yeah, and we went to um, Italy for her 60th birthday which was six weeks before she yeah. died. So that's how quickly this this cancer takes hold. So she was, as I said, she was diagnosed in the April. The first couple of months it was, we were kind of thinking like, oh, she's got to have this tumour removed, but are we okay? Then I went away to do Batchy. So I was locked in the house for three months. So even more so they were like, let's not quite let her know mm-hmm. how downhill you're going because that's not going to help anything. Um, we can probably come back to that, that whole thing yeah. about what me being on the show while this was happening meant. Um, But by the time I came out of the house, she was well and truly kind of on her way downhill. She and Dad knew that, um, probably by that point knew that she was terminal Mm -hmm. but just pretended she wasn't. So we went to Italy for her 60th, um, which was only, God, a week after I came out of the Batchy Mm -hmm. house. Um, We had a beautiful family holiday. She was, you know, she didn't have as much energy. She always walked everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And she just kind of couldn't walk as far or for as long. Mm-hmm. And she'd, you know, fall asleep at the dinner table and totally embarrass us. So, you know, <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> um, she, you know, she couldn't eat as much because she'd actually, in getting the tumour removed, she'd had half of her stomach removed. Yeah. And, all these organs. So she wasn't sprightly and well, but she still travelled around Italy for her birthday and then um, went went really downhill from there. Not because of that, in, in no way because of that, but how lucky are we to have had that memory with her so close to her leaving. But what a, that just proves what a hero she is, yeah. like seriously. Like, and 
it, I don't want to take away from how serious and full on and fucked up that would have been for you. And yeah, I, I really hope that you don't blame yourself as that, as, as, when I say blame, like take that as a failure because yeah, you're a, you're a very, one, you're a very good human, but look at how much you're doing and I'm a big believer in the bigger picture. And when I say the bigger picture, like she's with you all the time. Yeah. A hundred percent. I know. I did, it's so hard to not beat myself up about the fact that I was away for three of her last months. I don't think she would have had it any other way. Well, she wouldn't have because that's why she didn't let on, right? And she was so um, positive and encouraging of me doing that. For many reasons, obviously for me in the bigger picture, for me meeting someone, for me having that amazing experience, but also somewhat selfishly because it gave the whole family a distraction. Yeah. It was this wonderful, yeah, happy, exciting thing that everyone had to talk about so we didn't all just have to talk about the fact yeah. that mum was dying. Yeah. So, and she had that as well, you know, she wanted me to meet someone she got to watch that, which is oh. pretty amazing. And um, I think the timing of her passing away is pretty amazing too, is that she literally waited for that story to conclude. Yeah. Lee spent that whole Friday in the hospital with her and then she passed away that night. So yeah, I, I read amazing. somewhere that Lee broke contract to yeah. make sure that he, he got to yeah. hang with your mama. Like that's yeah. pretty, I'm like, yeah, so <laughs> he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, so she went into palliative care. I think it was 10 days or 11 days before the finale. Um, mm. And, I mean, people can be in palliative care for months or people can be in Still, there for two days. When you say palliative care, it's it's not fun because no. it is, like I've just seen it with grandparents and it's, you're, it's, it's a waiting game. It is. And it's really hard when the person who's in it is ready to go. Yeah, and yeah. we're all kind of wanting not to let go, yeah. and so it's a it's a warped kind of energy. It is, and can I just give a shout out to anyone who works in palliative care that absolutely doing God's work? Yeah. Oh my God, they're beautiful people, such difficult work, and they're uh, so amazing. You couldn't um, imagine. You oh couldn't. God, no, I couldn't do it. I can't even go. I can't even drive down the street that the hospital's in. <laughs> so, but that's since then <laughs> completely understandable, yeah. and I think. Know that as well, like, how how cool that I think as well, like, when it comes down to life as humans, we want connection, we want to be loved, mm. and your mum got to see you find that. Yeah. Like, that's probably one of, big, one of the biggest gifts in life. I imagine you've grown up with great love, seeing your family and growing up in your family, your yeah. parents. So it's as horrible as it is, it's, it's a very beautiful thing. Like, she would have gone knowing, She's found real love. Like, yeah, it's pretty and, that, amazing. and it is amazing. That's so wonderful. And she got to literally watch it, which is something that's so weird but so cool about that show yeah. is, you know, how often do you actually get to watch the progression from first meeting to first date to totally. first kiss to first I love you? Like it was. This yeah, is what I'm so, okay, so this cool. is what I'm excited to ask <laughs> about. First of all. Was it so weird to be like pashing off with someone and TV cameras to be there? You like, do I like, is there tongue? Is there not like, what is the, like, is it weird? Yes. Yeah. Easy answer is yes. Do they you ever go, go, 
Hang, hang on, can you redo that? No, Don't no, cry. no, God, no, because that would be so, it, it would look and feel as uncomfortable as, I even feel, I'm like balking at you saying that. So the you get used to it pretty quickly because you've just got to, but the first date I had on the show, which was the first kiss as well, was so nerve-wracking and embarrassing because there's, I mean, they're not right up in your face, but there are probably about six or seven cameras on you. So you're on a couch with this guy and a cheese platter in a room with candles and like a fire behind us and there are producers and, and cameras all around you and they are from a bit of a distance, they're not right up there, but you know they're there because... At that point, I'd only been filming it for like five days. So oh, wow. you're not used to it. You got once it starts, it starts. You've got your red carpet night. So you've got one day of kind of their post, uh, sorry, the pre-interviews. So mm-hmm. well, this is what I'm looking for. This is my story. This is why I'm yep. here. Then the next day is the red carpet rival arrivals. The next day is the cocktail party. Then the next day was First Did you date. have a little slip in a frock too? Did you have a little slip? Oh, I really <laughs> hope that after three years people would forget that and you've brought it up. I, I went down. Lola, the- it wasn't a little slip in a frock. It was, and I'm not exaggerating, if you could pick one point from three and a half months of filming that would be the worst time to embarrass yourself... It was the very first night, all the boys had arrived, I'd met them all individually and then they go all into the mansion. (laughs) Osha comes out and does his big spiel about how one of you is going to meet the girl of your dreams and you'll do this afterwards and she's this and she's that and she's great and welcome your new bachelorette, Georgia. (laughs) Everyone stands up, they're all cheering, (laughs) clapping, whooping. I walk out, do this wanky little like curtsy and fucking fall down the stairs. (laughs) Amazing. Down the the stairs. (laughs) It's so, okay, so I hope you don't mind me labelling you as this, (laughs) but it is so... Perfect because I feel like you're a bit of a dork, are you yes, not? Yes, and I try and so hard not to be. <laughs> no, I look. I'm. I'm a. I'm. I call myself a goober. Like I <laughs> totally. And and I and I think um, I remember you and I did a speaking gig together. Yeah. We were sitting next to each other, and you're like, the moment I saw Lee with a donkey, did he bring, he bring a donkey? Yes. When he, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like two dorks, kind of like two dorks who really yeah. try hard to pretend <laughs> to be cool <laughs> on one night. So yeah, he for those who don't know, I didn't watch it. He didn't arrive in a limo. He walked up the red carpet with a donkey. Um, Now, what wasn't shown on camera but actually happened is he couldn't get the donkey to come up the stairs to me. So, and now producers are kind of yelling at both of us like, you don't don't kind of talk yet. You need to be on camera to get, like, wait till he gets up the top of the stairs. Okay. So... I'm there, so it wasn't an awkward silence for ages of him standing at the bottom of the stairs trying to get this donkey up. I start making ass jokes because he had a donkey. So I was like, oh, this is a disaster. You make a bit of an ass of yourself and like all these ass jokes and he's staring at me. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy hates me. This is landing. Anyway, yeah. he finally just like let the donkey go and walked up the stairs and I said, okay, so you know, he introduced himself, yeah. so I'm Liam from Melbourne, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, can I ask about the donkey? And he did this big spiel about how he wanted to make a first impression. You only get one chance. And really there was only thing he want, one thing he wanted to know. Does my ass look big in this? 
Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, did you come here to make a pun? And he's like, yeah, and you just stole all my material. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, amazing. So there's this moment where I was like, I think I love you. Yeah. <laughs> did you, would you say like from like then and early on when you like, yeah, pretty sure it's Lee or? He, he was always my favourite. Yeah. And I think that probably sounds, oh, look, I've spat all over the table when I was laughing. Right. <laughs> it's your I table. I am also a guru. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it sounds like I'm kind of saying that in hindsight he was always my favourite, but I know that he was because one of the girls that worked on the show, so she wasn't a producer, but she was what they call my minder, which sounds horrible, but yeah. so just the kind of the someone who lived with me in the house and, you know, made sure I was okay and drove me everywhere. She would, just as a little test for myself, ask me every so often, if you had to pick your top two right now, who would it be? And she'd ask me at random times when I wouldn't have otherwise thought about it. And Lee was the only one that was always in that final two. So that's why I know looking back from night one, well, yeah, he was actually my favourite the whole way along. But that said, I didn't write write off the whole show. I really, really believed in it. Yeah. I I believe so wholeheartedly in this show. Now, when I did it, Sam Frost and Blake Garvey were the only couple that weren't together. So every other couple who had done the show was still together at that point. So I was like, well, this works. I just wholeheartedly believed in it. It works. I will meet my soulmate this way. And so I didn't want to write everyone else off. I thought, no, I'm in this. I'm going to make this what it's meant to be. Give it my all. Do what it's meant to do. Go on dates with people. Explore different opportunities. Because if this person is the person that I end up with, I want to know that I've kind of explored all my options. Also, just quietly, if I end up with this guy, these are going to be my last random first passions I'm ever going to have. So I've got to make the most of that too. Good way of looking at it. I wouldn't have thought of that. I have a really weird health nerd question. Uh In every scene there is like a cheese platter or champagne how, do you, one, do you have it all? or And two, like, how do you stay healthy? Definitely don't time? have it all because yeah. um, you're always talking. Yeah. So I think the guys on Bachelorette, the guys, and then on The Bachelor, the girls often get really drunk at the cocktail parties yeah. because they're sitting around waiting for that 15-minute chat with you. Yeah. Whereas as that main person, you are always talking. I had a warm glass of champagne in my hand the whole time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because it's rude when you're always talking to someone one-on-one. Yeah. So while they're talking to you, looking at you, it's rude to take a swig. Yeah. But then otherwise you're talking to them. So also, you're never you really drinking. Be, you wouldn't want to be filming like feeling really like rusty the next day either. That's true. I actually did um, get accidentally tipsy at one cocktail party, but that <laughs> was because... So it was one that I knew, it was down to the final six yeah. and it was the six people who I had gone on single dates with. So I'd formed some sort of connection yeah. with all six of these guys and I knew that I had to send one of them home. So I was a bit um, kind of stressed and sad yeah. and felt weird about that. Up to that point it had kind of been people that I hadn't, you know, really made solid connections Correct. with. Correct, okay. So I knew it was going to be a harder one. So when I was getting my hair and makeup done before the cocktail party, my producer was like, stuff it, let's have a few drinks, let's kind of take the edge off. So I had probably more drinks than I should have. And then I got to the cocktail party <laughs> and Lee had organised this little surprise thing and took me off to the side and he'd made this tray of cocktails oh. and drinks from all his favourite places he's been around the world. And his whole thing, well, I know your face while I'm saying this is like, oh, it was really cool. And his whole thing was, you know, I want to 
meet someone that I'm going to travel the world with. Travel's really important to me. Now I want you to pick three of these drinks and I'll tell you a story about when I had them in the place that they're from. So we sat That's there and cute. had a, three cocktails in a very short space of time. Oh, yeah, Nick Minute. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I wake up the next day feeling pretty seedy, but it was quite funny because watching the episode back, I was like, oh, my God, no, I look really pissed. <laughs> like, I look, but, it, but I just look emotional. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, That's not a bad thing. That's not, not a bad, bad thing. thing. It looked like I was just super into, into that chat. Yes. <laughs> so my, that brings my next, how much of the producers, like say like Lee had this cocktail idea, mm. how much of the producers go, yeah, that we want you to do that or no, 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 can you do this instead? Like how much, or even with they'll, you, do they all say to you like, actually, I know you're not attracted to that guy. Can you just keep him a few more weeks because he's, bit crazy or whatever on his his good content. Yep. So a few different facets in there. The first one you asked was, will they say, no, can you do this instead? They'll never do that. Okay. They never um, suggest anything to anyone for... I had a lot of, like, surprises on my season, which if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. Not for (laughs) me, for the guys. They were freaking cool. They were so cool. They did lots of little surprises, like the best thing ever, I think still in my whole life, is that they all wrote a song and surprised me with this song, which was the freaking coolest thing that's ever happened in my life. But they did things like that, Lee did his cocktail thing. Two of the boys made this epic dessert and presented it to me. Like they did cool little surprise things. Now all of that they came up with themselves and had to source everything themselves. Oh, wow. Lee had to make all the cocktails. He had to, you know, get all the different glasses. He had to get the donkey. Like every even okay. those little gimmicks and stuff that people do on the red carpet, they have to source oh, everything themselves. I like themselves. this, yeah. Yeah, because it's all about, I mean, if... Producers do that. Say the producers had said, um, she really loves dad jokes. Can you think of yeah. some kind of pun or dad joke? Fabricated. And then I I go, oh, I love that. I really like this guy. And then he never produces yeah, that again. You know, it's got they, they do still, of course, they want an interesting TV show. Of course, they want drama, they want yeah. heartbreak, but they want love as well. Yeah. They want they totally. want you to find someone. Uh, then the second part of that question is: would they ever ask you to keep someone around. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm breaking any big secrets in saying that. No, you can see that yeah. as a viewer sometimes. But that said, it's very much only in the early days. Yes. Very much. So yeah. I had 18 guys. As I said, in, in the end, there were only six that I really made connections with. But even probably from the first night, you might pit, there might be eight or nine where you go, yeah, I think I'm probably interested in getting to know you. And they're just, I mean, this is just human nature. There yeah. are others that you go, I've just got no interest in you yeah. and I'm never going to. Yeah. There's nothing here. Part of dating, yeah. And you can't kick them all out in one go. No. So you know there's going to be a few weeks of people hanging around that you never want to take on a date. Yes. You're yes. never going to take on a date. Yeah. So they might say things like there was this one absolute douchebag in my season who I wanted to kick out the first night to make a bit of a point, to be yeah. like, no, don't be a dick, you yeah. can go home. And they said to me, look, we know we're never going to make you take him on a single date where yeah. you know that, but he's giving great stuff. He's good with the other guys. He's got good banter. Yeah. We would like to have him around for another week or two if that's okay with you. Yeah. And I was like, yep, that's cool. Because I know, I mean, I work in TV as well. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I wanted I wanted them to have a good show as well. Totally. As totally. long as I was getting what I wanted out of it, then. 
I understand that too. And also yeah. as a viewer, like I've got to admit, I love, I call them a dingo. Like I love seeing the dickheads. I love, I'm like, how, how, how? Yeah. Any reality show. You're like, And the reason why I ask the questions about the producer's role is because I got really sucked into this TV, TV show called Unreal, oh, yeah. which is like a drama <laughs> show based and, and a, a, like a bachelor or a bachelorette is kind of like, that's kind of the plot, but you're yeah. actually living the lives and watching through the lives of the producers and it's all very scandalous and yeah. it's very heightened and not real at all. But that's why I was asking those I questions. I think it actually is a bit more real of the American seasons. Okay. Um, but not so much of the Australian. And I think the Australian one is probably getting a bit more dramatic and scandalous as it goes on, but certainly... Like in my day, something yeah. like in my day, um, it was it was not so bad. <laughs> so I thank you so much for sharing so much. I'm freaking excited. <laughs> um, so the next thing I want to know is like, as soon as I Google you, it comes up engagement, like engagement <laughs> rumors. Like, <laughs> how do you go with like this weird kind of like pressure from? people you don't know that expect something of you? Like how do you go What's with that? What's funny is a lot of people ask me that assuming I'm going to have a negative view of it. But I actually think it's really nice. It's like they care. People care. Yeah. And how wonderful is that? The people actually are so invested in, in my relationship and wanting us to be happy that they get a bit pissed off that we're not engaged yet. <laughs> like it's a weird response but it's actually for a really nice Reason. I actually like that. I like because also people have got they're brought up in different ways. So yeah. people that have grown up with you know parents were married at twenty one or something uh-huh. like that, you yep. can understand where they come from. That's exactly it. So at least thirty eight, and I'm thirty. Um, so we're like you know both, especially him, at the age where it's like settle the fuck down. Um, but we are. We're really happy with where we're at. I don't mind if we're not planning a wedding yet. We know that we're in a long term relationship and that we want to be together forever. We'll just you know, doing it in our own time. Also, remembering back to what we were talking about, about how our relationship started with, I mean, our really our relationship started on that day of the finale airing because it's the first time we're allowed to leave the house together. And then my mum died 24 oh. hours later. And now both of those things, starting a relationship in a really strange public way with everyone watching you and having to do things like, post on social media. If we didn't, people would think we'd broken up if we weren't seen together every two days. Um, And then this almighty grief on top of us, which could and has and does break relationships all the time. We had both of those things happen at once. So I don't shy away from saying the first year of our relationship was pretty fucked. Of course. So... We never got a honeymoon period at all. We went straight from being able to be together to the depths of grief. Serious, serious. So it's almost like we're having our honeymoon period now. We moved in together a year ago and it was like we were teenagers, like allowed to be together and like, oh, my God, there's nothing negative happening. This is all wonderful and fun. So, yeah, we're just we're taking our time. If, if we'd rushed things anymore, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, well, the way I see it, I, just from watching on Insta, you're like two little amigos. You go yeah. on little adventures together, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've just, you share like, it just feels like two, two little goopers together. Yeah, that's we how are. it feels. That's exactly it. We're two little goopers. That's um, actually, yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, that's just how it comes across. Um, one more thing that came up and I was like, when I was researching, I was like, fuck, are you kidding me? Fat shaming, mm. <laughs> and, yeah. and and I read like you were on you were in your bikini on the beach, 
and then there was a photo of you on the front of a magazine. Yeah. And they'd found an old quote oh, and yeah. put that towards it. And yeah. like this is I've written a diet book about losing weight and you can literally Google Lola Berry fat. Like that is one of the oh things you and like so when I read this about you and like like I said, we did Pilates together a few yeah. weeks ago. You to me are fit, healthy, small girl. <laughs> and and to be like fat shamed, I'm just like for who? Like, who yeah. are you too fat for? Because yeah. to me, you are below average. So, like, you'd be a size eight ten. I read the yeah. um, article you wrote, and I'm like, fuck. Can you just like unpack a bit of that for me? Yeah. So I've always been a size eight to ten. I've never been smaller than an eight. That's just my body and my shape. Um, and I am fit. I, I work out. I eat well. I I'm a fit, healthy person. Um, but apparently I'm not thin enough for TV, uh, according to a lot of people and tabloid magazines and websites. I uh, that, that photo that you're referring to was, yeah, I, uh, was photographed on a beach um, that I didn't know it was being photographed. It was after a big pasta lunch and my hair was wet and curly and I looked horrendous. Like, I looked terrible. Um, and they put that photo on the front page of a magazine, but it was like a batchy, batchy bikini bots. I gotcha. And every other photo was girls in a photo shoot in their bikini. So in a studio looking how, you know, looking phenomenal. Yeah. I was next to freaking Sophie Monk, for Christ's yeah. sake, who's yeah. like the hottest woman in the world, <laughs> and all these girls who'd been on The Bachelor, and they were all these posed beautiful shots, and then I'm there with my white gut hanging out, not knowing I'm being photographed. Now, the worst part of it was the little quote that they put next to it was a quote that I had given, I'd done an interview with this magazine during Bachelorette, and they'd asked about, you know, what do you think about, you know, body shaming, rah, rah, rah. And I said, look, I don't care. I know I'm not a supermodel, but I'm happy with how I look and I think I look great, so I don't care. Yeah. Now, they used this quote yeah. next to the photo of me looking fat and it said, um, you know, Georgia, of her body, Georgia says, I love how I look and I don't care how anyone else thinks, end quote, and then they've written, go, girl. Uh, oh, and that was the worst. Yeah. That was honestly, that was the worst part of it for me. Because I was like, how dare you insinuate that I shouldn't be happy with how I look? It, it made it sound like one of those, you know, an overweight person being like, fuck the haters. I don't care. Mm. I'm not overweight. Holy shit, I'm a size eight. Like, you are. So the average size is a 12. Yeah. So you exactly. are a small human being. Oh, it's and it, and I knew going into the Bachelorette that this would be a thing. I know from watching the show, everyone's in their bikinis the whole time. I know that I don't look good in a bikini. That that's fine. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. You I see me in a bikini though. Do- don't and don't look up the photo, please. It's really <laughs> bad. Um, but that's fine. Like, that's fine. I I got parts of my body that I like. My tummy's not one of them. That's fine. That's just what. I had that's my thing. I, I'm the so I'm the same. I don't love my tummy either. But then I think also there does become a sense where like dysmorphia can come in when you've got yeah, the pressure of the of media. Course. Like uh, so many millions, I'll say, women would kill for your body. Okay, I'm going to completely reword what I said. I don't look good in a bikini compared to. Everyone I Sophie see on Instagram. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> exactly. How many people would compare to Sophie <laughs> Mark? Exactly. Uh, 
But that's the thing. That's I love social media for so many reasons, but I hate it for so many reasons same. too. And I am a big believer in not following people that aren't going to make you feel good. I don't want to wake up and scroll through my account and feel bad about myself. So there are people that I am friend, personally friends with who I don't follow on Instagram because I looking at their modelling photos in bikinis or activewear looking ridiculous the whole time, like that that makes me feel bad about myself. So I love you, I will support you and I'll catch up with you for a coffee, but I don't want to see your beautiful photos. <laughs> but I think also, and you've hit the nail on the head here or you've definitely brought something up, people think they're real photos and yeah. often they're yeah. edited. I mean, Well, how second. about that? I even said they're modelling photos. Yeah. I didn't say they're photos in their backyard. No. Yeah, and that's I, it. And I think that's why social media perceives like or, or portrays one thing that's often not real. Mm. And, yeah, and I think that that's like you can filter something, you can totally use Facetune, we all know yep. how to use it. You yep. know, like there are all these apps to make ourselves look completely different. And I think, yeah, I think social media is like this amazing but fucked double-edged sword. It is. And I think that it's probably why it's important for someone like me to be talking about it because, as you said, people will look at my Instagram and probably think that about me, go, oh, stuff her, she looks like this, she goes to all these events, I hate her, she's got the best life. And I am the one sitting here saying, oh, I hate looking at other people's like that. You know, it's all... So it's good because you're, you're, you're humanising yourself and you're making... Um, us realise that all those insecurities that we have as your audience members, you also have. Of course. And that's and you know the problem, what? isn't it? Is that people Everyone think, else has it. Exactly. That's yeah. what I mean. It's important yeah. for someone like me to talk about it because if I, you know, back at the, the body shaming thing, if I'm getting body shamed at my size, how on earth is a size 16 person going to feel? Oh, how dude. is a size 4 person going to feel when they're shamed for being too slim? Like what's... Oh. No one is, no one's perfect. One thing that I learned really early on after um, writing a weight loss book, I was like, shit, I'm either going to be too fat for someone and too skinny for someone else. <laughs> so, like, even the other day I did juice cleanse and I got a lot of, like, why the fuck are you doing a juice cleanse? Like, have you got an eating disorder? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <sighs> so, and it's just like, and this is the whole, I think, point of this podcast, like march the beat of your own drum. Stop giving a fuck about what other people think. That's why I, I'm pumped when I rock up to an event and you're there and I'm like sick. <laughs> like Aww, I'm going to get a hug and be a so laugh. Nice. Like it's going to be real, Aww. you know, and, and, and that's probably what I think people love about you. You're the real deal. Now, we're almost at time. I guess, like, because this is about failure, like, what do you have, like, any little, like, nugget that people, if the people listening to this and they're like, fuck, like, I've just had a shit week or, like, I have just looked at Insta and there's, like, 15 models there that look like they should be on Victoria's Secret and I look nothing like that or I've had a shitty bumble date, whatever, you know, yep. like, what, you know... Because you've obviously been through the shit and you're yeah. still on the other side and you're mm. always smiling and, and, like, what would be your, like, what's your, how do you catch yourself when you're feeling shit? I think, and a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me on this, but bear with me. I think let yourself feel shit when you're feeling shit. I think this whole, I adore the wellness world. I love how much the entire world is is moving to 
practice gratitude and consider health before anything else and, you know, consider the importance of um, being positive. I love that. But I think with that, it can be a bit toxic too. I think toxic positivity is a real thing of when someone goes through something for people around them to go, there's always a silver lining. Everything happens for a reason. You know, get up in the morning, wake and slay. They're great slogans for when you're feeling good. But when you're feeling shit, when something really bad's happened, they don't actually help. They will help somewhere down the line. But if you, as you say, if you've been shamed, if you've looked at someone you feel shit about yourself, if you've had a death in the family, if you've had a horrid breakup, if you've been fired from a job, you're allowed to feel shit. But just do it for a little while. Totally. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. Like most people ignore the uncomfortable stuff and it's all Mm -hmm. about like sit in it, sit in the shit. Exactly. Learn from it, grow from it. Yep. Whether it's sitting down for 20 minutes to meditate on that and feel crap for that, whether it's half a day, whether it's a week, as long as you're not. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. As long as you're not getting down in it forever, because that's, of course, a, Mm -hmm. a huge negative. That's not what I'm trying to say at all. But. Let yourself feel the feelings because you're not actually going to have the highs unless you have the lows as well. Totally. You can't coast and be. That's exactly, it's such a cliche, but it's so right. The highs are high because the lows are low. If you've had a crap day, if any of those bad things have happened, let yourself feel that, acknowledge those feelings, feel them, and then push them away. Then go and have, um, you know, a a beautiful meal full of serotonin and um, hold your crystals and say that the sun will come up tomorrow. Bust out an Annie song if you want to. But only after you've let yourself have the hard knock life first. We didn't even get to touch on your your love of music. Oh, I will always bring it up. Don't worry. (laughs) When you you least expect it. You you are such a joy and I cannot thank you enough for doing this podcast. Total honour to have you on here. Oh, and gosh, I can't wait silly. to do Pilates with you Yay! again. Yay! See you in the studio. Thanks, chica.